Hello, everyone. This is uh, Reverend Dr. Donna Ganny, and I'm um, called, you are listening to the Kingdom Hour. And I have a very wonderful guest with us today. His name is Chad Pettis, and he is the author of The Fate of the Watchman. And so we welcome you to the Kingdom Hour today, uh, Chad. And we just I just want to say thank you very much for everyone being patient with us on getting started today. And it doesn't matter. We're going to have a wonderful time. Welcome to the Kingdom Hour, good, Chad. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, you're quite welcome. Um, Chad, would you like to open us up in prayer before we start uh, the session? Sure, that'd be great. Uh, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to discuss matters of the Spirit. Uh, Father, we thank you for giving us your word, which is truth, and we can trust it in these troubling times that don't provide us with much truth or much steady thing, many steady things. We're thankful for the foundation on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray during this interview that things would be said and done that would edify the saints and that would glorify your, your name through your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 So, Chad, can you uh, please tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, well, uh, I'm an author of Christian fiction, obviously. I started out uh, as a soldier. I was in the Army for 10 years. And I was in the infantry. I served in the uh, Operation Iraq Free, Iraqi Freedom. I was there twice and in combat operations. And then after that, I kind of bounced around a little bit. And I finally became an English teacher, which is my current occupation. But since I was about 70, seven or eight years old, I wanted to write. And I just could never get away from that. And so around 33, I went back to college and I started working on my English degree I started learning everything I could about writing and just focusing on my uh, my relationship with the Lord, so that I could do, so that I could write things that would minister to people. And so I just kind of started writing about my experiences, but not not directly, not like an autobiography, but sort of hiding my my stories in fiction. And uh, it's been it's been very interesting. I started out as a self published author. I wrote two. New, two novellas, The Gathering and Through the, no, uh, Through the Needle. And then I was blessed and fortunate to come across a Twitter pitch party. And I'd never heard of one of those before, but my uncle told me about it. And so I tried it for my most recent novella, which is Fate of the Watchman. And so that's where I'm at now. So now I'm a prior self-published author. Now I'm a traditionally published author and I teach English. I have a a wonderful wife and four children. My oldest son is in college right now, which is hard to believe, but uh, that's that's pretty much the long and short of who I am. That that sounds like a very good uh, place to be at right now. Yes, it's uh, enjoying. I'm enjoying the ride. Okay. So tell us about your uh, book, The Fate of the Watchman. It sounds like it's a very interesting book, and I'm sure that the audience is dying to know what it's all about. Sure. Fate of the Watchman is uh it's really strange how the story came to be. When I was in high school, we had I had a creative writing class and uh I was told that I had to write a story and so I I just had this crazy idea. I and basically what would happen if time froze and there was only one person that could 
that could know that time was frozen. He wasn't frozen. And that originally was not a Christian story. I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I just wrote the story and it was just kind of for fun in high school. But the concept, the idea of time freezing stuck with me through the years. And then about five years ago, I guess five and a half now, I was just in a state of apathy. You know, I I realized that there was a lot lacking in my walk with God. I wasn't compassionate enough on people. And that really struck me as, you know, I, I want to do something about this. And I thought, you know, I'll, I'll write a story about it. And that idea came back to me. And so I sat down and I wrote a story. It was about 19 pages long. I, I wrote it in one sitting. It was called The Midnight Cry. And it was about a man who time freezes and he is introduced to this guide that shows him things that are going on in the world all around him. And I wrote that story and I just let it sit. And life continued on. And I guess about four years ago, God brought that story back to my mind and, and just would not let me get away from it. And so I started sitting down and rewriting it. And again, I had hit that apathetic state. Whereas I wasn't, I wasn't really compassionate. I wasn't, I wasn't seeing the needs of people around me. You know, I wasn't really involved in prayer much and I wasn't, my Bible reading at the time was very lacking. And so I sat down and I revised the story and it became fate of the watchman and fate of the watchman is a very, very impactful in the sense of it's not uh, it's not a romance story. It's a very realistic. You're going to see some things that are that are really going on in the world around us. And the main character, Lester Sharp, is is introduced to this man that he initially turns away. The man asks him for help, and he turns him away. Well, it turns out that there's something a little more special to that that person. He's he's not just some homeless guy, and uh, he takes Lester around the world and shows him what's going on, not only in his hometown and on his block, what's going on down his street, but what's happening around the world. Uh, and it all starts when he comes across his neighbor who's overdosed on drugs and an attempted suicide. And, you know, the question is, what would you do? And so time is frozen, but in one split, one split second of time, Lester has shown just how awful the world, apart from Christ, really is. And so that's, that's fate of the watchman. Now, let, let's back up a little bit because I'm sure that there's a lot of people that may be um, feeling a little bit motionless not at this time and um, just feeling like, you know, there's no need to move forward in life. What, how, what did you do to come out of that? Was it the, the writing or uh, spending time with, you know, returning to the time of spending with, with God? What brought you out of that state of mind? I think it's a little bit of both. And, you know, I'd love to say that I've, ne that I've never go back to those points where I feel like things are hopeless or, or just bad. You know, everybody, everybody experiences those times. But as I wrote the story, I just became more aware of what's really happening because I had to think about it. I had to think, what is going on behind the eyes of that person? You know, what's happening in their mind? What's, Everybody just says, uh, hello, how are you? Good. You? Oh, good to see you. And then that's how we greet people, but we never really ask, and we never really find out how people actually are. And most of the time, depression, apathy, those things are hidden. So for me, you know, it's, it's like he told 
the church in the book of Revelation, you know, uh, return to thy first love, thy first works, repent and do the first works. And really that's what it was. It, was, it came down to, in order for me to write that book, I had to pray. For me to write that book, I had to read the word. I had to be in it. And I had to be active in doing the things that, you know, I was saying I was going to do is I became guilty writing this book and thinking, you know, I'm not doing the things I say I'm going to do. Uh, I'm heavily, I used to be heavily involved with the persecuted church in the sense of uh, getting materials from the voice of the martyrs and finding out about what was happening around the world. And I would pray actively and I'd fallen away from that. And so I began to pray again. Uh, and I think that's the key is turning your outlook from self to others uh, mm-hmm. You know the acronym, the acronym joy. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And when you put yourself in that position of realizing just how great and how powerful God is, your problems become small in comparison to how powerful He is. If everything is in the palm of His hands, then it's really small in comparison. And then seeing the needs of others and realizing, you know what, somebody down the road has more of a need than I do. But even if they don't, by ministering to other people, and and ministering can just be simply just talking to them, just praying for them, just letting them know you're praying for them, just saying, I love you. It doesn't have to be, uh, you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a deacon to minister. Mm -hmm. Mm I agree. So when you were in that that, um, state of mind with, you know, being apathetic, um, do you feel like that there, you know, you said that you there's probably a lot of people that's like that now, and I believe it is. Um, as you said, the Bible tells us that those days are going to come um, where we're just moving about and not having any emotions toward anyone, um, just doing things and not really having a feeling or, or, or desire to really help someone. But, you know, even just saying, I love you, but it's not really inside, or uh, yeah. shaking someone's hand and really not wanting to even have experienced that. And I, I just like for us to be real um, about it yeah. because I know that there are people out there that's probably going through that that need to know how to come overcome it and that there is a necessity in this hour, as, as we are saying that we are children of God, that we have to be for real with each other and um, experience the real bond so we can come to that true unity and peace. Please share your uh, thoughts around that. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's the truth. And lately when people ask me how I'm doing, if I'm not in a good mood, uh, I don't feel right saying I'm, I'm good because that's a lie. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Bible is still, the Bible still says thou shalt not bear false witness. And, um, you know, so when you see a person and they shake your hand and they give you the head nod, ask again. You know, no, brother, how are you doing, really? Sister, how are you doing, really? You know, what's going on? Or, you know, even if not, just ask questions. What's, you know, how's things been going? How's work? How's How are the kids? How's school? How's life? And don't be afraid to ask the questions. The The truth is we're so busy. We're the busiest society we've ever been on planet Earth, and we're so busy and so caught up in our own lives that we don't want to ask the questions, and that's a shame. It's a shame that 
that's the way we are, and we do need to be real. We can profess to be Christ-like all day, but mm-hmm. when Christ mm-hmm. saw the multitude as having a sheep with no shepherd, he was moved with compassion, and he fed them, and he prayed for them, and he ministered to them, and he, and he, he acted. It's charity, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, charity never fails, <laughs> love in mm-hmm. action. What are you going to do with that? Don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Now, let's uh, talk about when, let's say that someone is experiencing that, that they have moved to that uh, state of, because I, I, I believe that a lot of times when people are kind of withdrawn uh, from others, and you said, like you said, you ask them the question again to bring out the realness in it, um, we have to also look at what made that person go off into that state of being withdrawn. Was it nails in the hand? Was it, um, you know, some of the things that we see going on now in the body of Christ? Our eyes are, as you said, we reflect on self a lot. And because we reflect on self, um, we we may misinterpret love. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes when we reflect on self, we we misinterpret that love. What what are your thoughts in that area? Um, yeah, and I think that's true. Uh, you know, if if we are expecting something and people don't do what we're expecting, then the mind just tends to jump to these massive conclusions of they don't love me, or they don't really care. You know, people can walk around in a state of depression or a state of um, anger or whatever it is, walk around with that and not communicate it to anyone. And then when people just continue about their business, in our minds, we can, we if we're not careful, we can get to a place where we say, well, if somebody cared, they would have asked how I was doing. They would have saw that I was depressed. They would have saw that. Well, not if you're hiding it. And so that goes back to what you were saying about being real. It goes both ways. Um it's always strange to me when people leave the church because they say no one was friendly, no one shook my hand, but how many hands did you shake? You know, did yeah. you attempt to say anything? Or are you standing there in the back of the church looking like you want to fight somebody and so everybody's avoiding you, you know? So what what can we do um, as the body of Christ when we, you know, to help people just feel more comfortable in the environment to where they will feel that love, they will know that they're loved and that they're accepted. Because a person, let's say, that may have come out of abuse, an abusive situation, um, they're going to be a little bit timid about being touched or a little bit timid about uh, expressing themselves because they're afraid that um, the wrong words will be said to them. So they're shielding themselves up. So how... How can the body of Christ, how can we help? I know you said, again, let's go a little bit deeper of how we can bring that person into that state of love. No well, I think if, love. If, you, if you think in terms of, uh, you know, how the gospel moves, the gospel moves, first of all, the, the ground has to be prepared. That ground is prepared through prayer. And so, you know, if maybe the person that standoffers doesn't want to talk uh Pray for them. You can communicate to people. I'm going to pray for you. You know, you can ask them if that's okay. Some people get offended. Uh, if you're going to talk to someone and, you know, uh, before you hug someone, you should, 
you should ask, is it okay if I hug you or, or something along those lines, but, you know, follow up, uh, you know, go visit people, you know, uh, take them a meal, cut their grass. I, there's really no perfect answer. And I don't think there's a perfect way, but I, I think it really comes down to just showing the people that you love them in any way you can. But at the end of the day, uh, people have to be willing to receive love. And if you are trying to, I don't know how many people I've given my phone number to in the church and said, if you need me, call me. doesn't matter what time, day or night. And my phone never rings. And then I see those people and they say, yeah, you know, I was going to call you, but I didn't want to bug you. You know, and I have to communicate. It's not a bother. I wouldn't have given you the number if I didn't expect you to call. You know, that's my real number. I'm not giving you a fake number. I really want you to call me. Tell me what's going on. But I think we need to be equipped. You know, um, mm-hmm. Peter cut off the ear with the sword because then he wasn't he wasn't a swordsman. He was a fisherman. But if he'd have been prepared and if he'd have been spending time practicing with that sword, he may have he may have been a little better better off. But you see, that's the thing. If we're ill-equipped, if we don't know how to use the sword properly, we'll cut off the hearing. He cut off the hearing, and then Christ had mm. to restore the ear. He had to restore the ear before we could do anything. And I think sometimes that all we can do is step back and let Christ move. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah to that one. I totally agree with you. And I like the point where you brought out prayer is going to be key when we uh, communicate with anyone um, at this time. And it's it's not easy, as you said in the beginning, um, but it's a process that we all can go through in prayer and Stand off in the word of God, um, really seeking him, because this is an hour where we really need him in our life. Um, what, let's talk, go back to your book a little bit, because um, it sounds very interesting that about being frozen in time, what would that time look like if that someone was to read your book when as it's frozen? Is it like in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s? Or what does it look like? Well, it's today. Uh, you, you know, you might uh, – the series going forward is actually going to be maybe a few years ahead of us, but during that time uh, – the, during the time of the book, it's current, so it's contemporary with us. Uh, Lester has a smartphone that doesn't work because time is frozen, and so he can't use it. Uh, and, and that's kind of a, a key thing is, you know, he has to look. You, you have to pay attention. Uh, so the time period is ours, and it's – so he's going to travel around the world, which means he's seeing all the different time zones. So he's seeing day, he's seeing night, uh, and he's he's getting the equivalent of a full full day of travel, uh, but it's all just taking place in one second. So as he's walking around, people are frozen, not with, like, ice on them, but just, just still, like a still life. And so he's looking at people as if they're mannequins. You know, he's walking around, but he's seeing the – he's seeing some really, really – really horrific things that take place, but they're frozen in that, in that moment. Mm-hmm. Wow. I can imagine what that would be like. And I, I know you probably just scared everyone to death, not be able to have access to a smartphone. Right. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're glued to, they're glued to our hands and our eyes are glued to the screen. Oh yeah. So um, when we, when we, 
I can imagine what that's going to be like. It sounds like really like a movie as well. Uh, do you have any thoughts about um, making a movie out of it, scripting the book? I would love that. I would love that. When I wrote the book, one of the reasons I kept it as a novella and I didn't expand it to a full-length novel is it played like a movie in my head. And um, I, I wanted it to translate well into the screen if that ever becomes a possibility. As of right now, uh, there are no plans. Uh, I'm just kind of seeing where it goes. Uh, I'd love for this to be a movie because uh, I'm not sure how it would be rated. Obviously, there are some uh, some graphic images that are in the book. Uh, not not out but, of tape but, or anything like that, but, but it's definitely uh, one that... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I interrupted. I'm saying, but expressing what is a reality. I'm sure, though. Right. Yeah. And that, that's it. It's just. It's just the. It's just the reality of. Hey, this, you know, we can turn a blind eye all we want. People say, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see that. I'm like, yeah, nobody does, but it's there. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, so I would love for it to be a movie. As of right now, I don't know. There, um, it's available just as an ebook currently. Uh, which is kind of normal for a novella. But, yeah, I, I'd be through the roof if this became a – a lot of people that have read it and some of the people that have left reviews say it seems like a movie as they're reading it. They can picture it so well in their minds and, and have, have expressed to me that they'd love to see it as a movie. Yeah, because I, I, I could just imagine right now today if God, you know, this earth was to be frozen uh, in time, where and then uh, judgment would take place, what it would actually be like. And it sounds like that's kind of where God has taken you in this book. Is that true? Uh, not so much the judgment. Uh, it's more in the sense of, um, you know, he's confronted with these things. And at one point he gets frustrated as he starts, as he sees so much, it becomes difficult for him to stomach. Uh, and, and he, he gets frustrated and voices that and the response back is, you know, you're just so frustrated about it. Why aren't you doing something about it? Uh, and, that, and that's really the idea is I want readers to see it and be moved to the point of, I have got to get involved one way or the other. For me, it's the, mm-hmm. uh, the persecuted church. There's a, there's a very pointed scene where persecution is taking place. Uh, I think people don't realize around the world, Christianity is very much different than it is here in the United States. We, we uh, share our faith with someone and they say, oh, that's not for me. And we fall on the ground and act as if we've been horribly, horribly persecuted. But in places like Somalia, they announce their faith and they're immediately killed. That's persecution. And, and that's yeah. one of the things I want to bring to the light in the book. Uh, and actually, uh, every, every time there's a sale of my book, 50% of my royalties goes towards the ministry of the Voice of the Martyrs to take aid and relief to uh, persecuted Christians around the world because I was moved mm-hmm. so much while I was writing the book. There's a, you know, uh, I wrote about it on my blog, and, at a, and it's, it was just it was a very powerful, powerful moment where the Lord really showed me, you're doing nothing for your brothers and sisters worldwide. Yeah, yeah, and you, it is. I I have to agree with you because oftentimes I receive videos um, from overseas and 
they're they're very uh, traumatic to watch, but, but so I don't off, I don't share them all the time. But just for saying that they are Christians, um, there there are many people being slaughtered by the masses, and mm-hmm. it 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 takes a lot of prayer and a lot of um, seeking the Lord, and also we have to respond to it, just as you said, we have to respond to it in whatever way that we can. Um, I And then we just pray, pray, have to be prayerful that it doesn't uh, surface. I mean, we do see it happening somewhat in, in um, the Western Hemisphere as well. So it is an area of concern, and we should be very watchful and prayerful in this hour. Um, oh, yes, very much. Yes. And so... Uh, if they wanted to be able to get in touch with you or, you know, how can they, do you indicate at your blog? So if if anyone wanted yeah. to contact you, maybe to come for a speaking engagement or to share, you know, come to share your book with their audience, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, um, chadpettit.net, C-H-A-D. P-E-T-T-I-T dot net. So chadpettit.net. And uh, I do have a blog there. You can find out more about my books and more about me. And uh, you can sign up for my mailing list. So as soon as you go to my website, uh, one of the, if you're on a mobile, you have to click on the menu, but there's a, there's a freebie spot and you can sign up for my mailing list and you'll receive uh, a devotion every week. You'll get a free book. Uh, that's, that's all about is the gathering. It's all about um, overcoming fear and facing the things God has given you to do without fear. Uh, so that's free as soon as you sign up. And then you can connect with me on social media, and all those links are on my website. So the website is the best, and I do have a contact page. So if anyone is interested in having me come speak to them, uh, that's that you, all you have to do is fill out that contact page. Uh, I, I like to speak to people about uh, finding their true purpose, finding their true calling, uh, I, the next book I'm writing is going to really emphasize and focus on spiritual warfare because the awareness of spiritual warfare is really lacking. And so that's, that's one of my areas that I'm focusing on. Uh, so that's the best way for people to get in contact with me is through my website. And I respond to every, everything. It comes directly to my uh, email inbox. Okay. That is great. And um, also, too, I want to ask you to please share your final thoughts with the audience about um, whatever the Lord has put on your heart to encourage them. Yeah. There's no greater purpose in life than to be known of God and to know God. It's And beyond that, to share it with others. But... Don't put yourself in a box. Allow the Lord to lay your path out. Walk in the light of his word. Psalm 119, 105, the the law of the Lord is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let him light the path. Just take the steps in, in the order of his word, and he'll make his will clear to you. It's not a mystery. It's just you being obedient and following his steps. And I think everybody's true purpose is found in that. And he does have a purpose for every single person. So no matter what you're going through, if you feel like you have no purpose, if you have no reason, God has a great purpose for you. And he just desires that fellowship with you. And he desires you to serve him 
you just have to follow him and he will guide you to in the direction he wants you to go. Amen, absolutely. And you know, one thing's I want one thing I would like to share with the body of Christ and that is that you know, digital technology is um, very useful in this hour for the kingdom of God in that you never know who is going to communicate with you that is in need. And um, there are a lot of uh, young children, there are a lot of uh, teenagers and young adults that are needing people to communicate with them in this hour. Um, I receive a lot of requests. Uh, from individuals that are on the verge of committing suicide. So I would like to appeal to everyone out there to uh, take time when you're on um, your Facebook, your Twitter, and Quora, and all of these uh, channels uh, to be a support system for for these people because um, we have a lot of people who are looking for that support. If they're posting things like that, they're looking for support. So I appeal to the body of Christ, please open up, open up, and and don't shut down to uh, individuals that are out there. As he said earlier today, let us not become emotionless. Let Let us be what God has called us to be and go back, return to our first love. In Jesus' mighty name. And can you pray for us? Amen. Can you please pray for us as we close out? Sure, I'd love to. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for allowing us to speak about uh, how great you are, how wonderful you are, Lord, that you do have a purpose for everyone. And it seems like there's been a, a definite theme to to the interview today, Lord, in our discussion. Uh, and people are hurting everywhere. God, we pray that you you comfort those that are listening that are that are hurting that are in that place of uh, of not feeling worth, not feeling value. We pray that you help them to remember how much you love them, help them experience that. And, Lord, if there are people listening that have reached a state of apathy and they are emotionless, we pray that you'd stir up uh, the gift of God by way of remembrance in their hearts. We pray you'd, you'd help them, Lord, to come alive and be revived again through your spirit. Uh, I just thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to share with everyone the things you've given me. And, uh, Lord, I I pray that everyone's blessed through this. I pray that the conversation would continue to be something that they meditate on and something they begin to pray about. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Thank you so much um, for coming out to the Kingdom Hour, Chad Patet. And we have been discussing the fate of the Watchmen. And we also have uh, talked about some um, intimate things that Chad shared that many of the body of Christ may be experiencing, and we're praying for you that the Lord will bring you out of it, and we know that he will. Just open up your heart to receive it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the grace of God be with all of you. God bless you all.